Good morning, Agape Baptist Church. The scripture reading this Sunday is taken from Psalms 22, verses 1 to 5 and 9 to 11. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Verse 9. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth. And from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. This is the word of God. It's good to be back again to bring you the third sermon uh, in our series of four sermons on lament that is based on the Psalms. Uh, we've been talking about turning quickly to God in prayer when we face trying, testing circumstances. And we also looked at the spiritual value of bringing our complaints to God when our hearts are aching. That's what we did last week. This morning, we come to the third step in the lamenting journey, asking boldly. Now, I remember twice in my life where I was kind of forced into asking boldly. Both times, I was at a point of desperation. And both had to do with issues with my children. The first was when I was first transiting into leading Agape Baptist Church as pastor in 1990. And our son was born three months premature, weighing just 1.2 kilograms. The second was when I was transiting out of leading the church in 2018, and our daughter suffered seizures. Many of you know about that. Both times, I was forced into bold asking. There were seasons of deep, prolonged lamenting where I was oscillating from questioning to complaining to asking and trusting. I learned to pray through pain and uncertainty and in the fear and the situations that I was in that I was so afraid that it would be irreversible. Those are very dark times uh, in my family's life. Now, what does it mean to pray boldly? In a sense, to pray boldly is to wrestle with God, to fulfill his word in a given situation. It is to ask God to intervene and to act in accordance to his character. It's crying out to him saying, Lord, you are good. I know, I know that you are steadfast, you are faithful, you are true to your word. But God, here am I in this situation and would you not do something, Lord? Would you not answer me? And the lament psalmists were very bold in asking. They call on God with such authority that it almost feels like they were commanding God to act. You see, when you ask boldly, your bold asking will eclipse your complaints. 
in complaining, we are asking the why questions. We are asking the how long questions. And these questions may still not be answered when we ask God to intervene. And while you are struggling with the why and the how long questions, you still got to ask. This is when you become bold because you dare to ask, although you're still at a loss to why this is happening to you, and you don't know how long this is going to take. It's going to take, uh, uh, in such times, it takes faith to ask. It takes a bonus. The cancer is still there. The divorce is almost certain. The job is not certain. The, the, the circuit breaker is ruining the business. But you still ask God to act in the face of that difficulty and the almost impossible situation. That's bold asking. The most famous why question in the Bible is in the psalm that we just read, Psalms 22. And on the final moments of Jesus' agony on the cross, Jesus lamented, quoting Psalms 22, the first two verses. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, and I find no rest. Now after these two pointed complaints, David, who wrote this psalm, and it's a messianic psalm, uh, that prophetically points to Jesus, David immediately turns to God. The key word here is yet. If you look in your Bibles, you will see it in Psalms 22. The word yet is a bridge from complaint to bold request. Now look at me, look with me at verse 3 and 4 in your Bibles. It, it goes this way. It says, yet. You see, first in verse 1 and 2, they say there's a very strong complaint that God has forsaken him. And then in verse 3, he bridges that to a place of trust with the word yet. Yet you are holy and thrown on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. He complains and then he turns to God in trust. He kind of oscillates from complaining to confidence in God. And people, this is not uncommon in lamenting. Then he returns to more complaining. And that's in verse 6. All who see me mock me, he says. They make mouths at me. They whack their heads. And then immediately after that complaint, he comes back to trusting God in verse 9. And it's always breached by the word yet. Look at verse 9. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. See the word yet again? It bridges the complaint to the trust. But the prayer, people, is very messy. It oscillates constantly from complaint to trusting God. It feels like David has kind of gone crazy. But that is the nature of lament. It's very real to the raw emotions of the soul. Later on, as you go down to verse 11 and then to verse 19 and 21, David is going to make a bold request. 
He's going to ask despite the waves of question and the rising tide of frustrations that he feels in his soul. Somehow, he is able to keep asking God for help and crying out to him for his needs in the midst of his discouragement and his despair. See, the sorrow is not gone. It has not yet yielded, but the asking is strong and full of faith. It's unintimidated asking. It's bold asking. The Psalms of Lament invites us to pray like that, to pray boldly when we are bruised badly. Is there anything in your life where you stop asking God to do? Because the pain has drowned your ability to ask. The disappointment has muted your soul from crying out loud to God. Have you been so disappointed of unanswered prayer and repeated unanswered prayer that it has led you to a resigned silence as what you want to see God do in your life? God has not given us a spirit of timidity, people. This day, this very day, may the Holy Spirit restore to you the grace and the power to ask again and to ask boldly. David's bold asking appears in Psalms 22 in verses 11 to 21. David feels helpless. He feels forsaken by God. And that's a terrible feeling to feel like God himself has abandoned you. He's mocked by the people around him. They are shaming him. He says his strength is gone. He says his heart is broken. And amidst all of his pain and his suffering, David rises in his spirit to ask. And look at verse 11. He says, be not far from me, for my trouble is near and there is none to help me. Now look at verse 19. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. Notice how each request is a bold call to God to act. It's striking. Be not far from me. Come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul. Save me from the mouth of lions. It almost sounds like he's commanding God. People, desperation can make us very bold. And David is still aching in his heart. But those aches are not going to stop him. They are not going to silence him from asking God to act. Now, for the rest of the time that we have, I want to answer this one question. What exactly is bold asking? How do I know whether I am asking boldly, whether I'm praying boldly? Now, let me answer that by telling you first what bold asking is not. Number one, it is not the volume of your voice. 
Nowhere in the Bible does God give value to how loudly or how softly people pray. If you feel like raising your voice in your private personal prayer, praying, go right ahead and do it. There is nothing to stop you. But praying loudly doesn't mean you are praying boldly. Number two, it is not the beauty of your words. In fact, lament prayers are often messy and disjointed. Sometimes they are more sighs and groans than they are actual words. Number three, it is not the posture of your body. It doesn't mean that if you pray standing tall instead of crouching low and kneeling before God, then that you are humble and that you are bold. No. Number four, it is not the stubbornness of your heart. It is not as if you will get what you want, which is outside the will of God, if you are just aggressively pushy with God. Like as though that you can twist his arms. Sometimes you push in prayer and the opposite happens. And then you, you kind of are disorientated again. So if, 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 if bold praying is not the volume of your voice or the beauty of your words or the posture of your body or the stubbornness of your heart, then what is bold asking? Now let me give you four things. You pray boldly when you are, number one, honest. Number two, persistent. Number three, patient. And number four, courageous. Let me repeat that. You pray boldly when you are honest, persistent, patient, and courageous. And let's look at it one at a time. You, are, you, you, you ask boldly, number one, when you are honest. People lamenting is very messy. You may not have all your thoughts together. You may not be able to fully articulate what is actually going on in your heart because your heart is aching with pain and you are in a state of desperation. You see, the problem with us is that we tend to like to edit our prayers when we come to God. For some reason, we feel like when we come to God, we need to look neat and smart and clean and proper and almost like we need to be perfect. And that, that thinking often spills into our praying. Uh, some of us even tend to adopt a different tone in prayer. Like we tend to pray differently than we talk normally in everyday life. Now that is no longer the real you meeting the real God. Real prayers are messy. They come with questions, they come with doubts and with pain, and yet there is a confidence and faith and trust in God, all mixed into one in that praying. So don't, don't be a perfectionist about your prayers. And don't try to make them sound nice, even if it's just for your own ears. Edited prayers shut down the human heart. You... You stop being yourself in prayer. You stop as a result of that. When your heart is not praying and it's just your mind trying to pray, you stop really connecting with God to a degree, to a deeper degree. Then the real you doesn't meet the real God. You see, people, the gospel gives you permission to be human before God. You see, no one actually sees us all the time. 
every one of us here and every no one sees everything about us not even our own spouses and we all know that we only show people parts of who we are but when you come before god you come before the one who sees everything about you who sees all of you he sees your past he sees your present he knows your future i mean hebrews chapter 4 verse 13 says and no creature is hidden from his sight but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account we are totally naked before god all our masking all our pretenses are useless before the seer who sees everything and who sees them all at once and yet here's the word yet again and yet he invites you to his throne and he tells you to relate to him not as a boss not as a supervisor you know not 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 as a judge he, he calls you to relate to him as a father. He comes, he says, come with confidence, boldly, because my son has paid the price for you to come into my presence. So people, drop all the pretenses. Stop editing your prayers. If you have words, pray with those words. If you have tears, bring those tears. If you have questions and complaints, tell them to God. In essence, bring your heart and come just as you are. That's bold praying and bold asking. It's being very honest with God, more honest than you would be with any other human being. That's one. Number two, you ask boldly when you are persistent. Now, prayers in the Bible, people, if you study the prayers in the Bible, you will realize that prayer is often described as wrestling or modeled as wrestling or striving. Paul talks to an Epaphras in Colossians chapter 4, 21. He talks about him. And he says this, Epaphras is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. And then in Romans 15, 13, Paul writes to the Romans and he says this, I appeal to you, brothers, that by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. People, prayer is wrestling. It's great striving with God. The biblical understanding of prayer is not one where prayer is passive and calm and quiet. There's a place for meditation. There's a place for reflective prayer. But a lot of prayer, when it comes to seasons of darkness and desperation and trouble and difficulty and oppression, and suffering and pain in people's life is, is always a wrestling with God and a striving in prayer. Now, what does it mean to wrestle or to strive in prayer and in asking? When Abraham was pressing God to save Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis chapter 18, he was wrestling in prayer. 
He was striving in prayer. When Moses was pleading with God for mercy for Israel and also for himself in Exodus in chapter 33, he was wrestling in prayer. Both Habakkuk and Job were questioning God's actions in history. They had many, many why questions as they lamented before God. These men were bold in their asking. They were honest in their asking. They were persistent in their asking. They wouldn't let go of God and they were wrestling with God in prayer. But the beauty of all of that is this, people, and this is where you got to listen really carefully. They were equally submitted to the will of God. Their bold asking, their persistence, and their wrestling in prayer rested wholly on God's sovereignty. Their hard posture was one of settled acceptance of God's sovereignty and wisdom and timing and purpose. In lamenting and in bold asking, we need to hold this delicate balance. If we overstress submission to God's sovereignty, then we can become very passive in prayer. It's like, well, after all, God is sovereign, so what's there to pray? Or on the other hand, if we overstress persistence and bonus without resting on God's sovereignty, then we can become angry and disillusioned when our prayers are not answered. It's like, Lord, how come I pray so hard? And you didn't answer. You didn't do a thing. There's a beautiful, another example in scripture, David, King David. He prayed boldly for, the, for his very sick baby son that he would be healed. The scripture tells us that he wouldn't eat, he wouldn't drink during that season of prayer for healing. He spent the whole night praying that was very persistent. He was, he was insistent for God to answer his prayer. He was wrestling with God for healing. He was there praying, the, the Bible says, for seven days, day and night. His servants came to ask him whether he would like to eat something. He said, no. He was wrestling with God for the healing of his baby son. But you know what? God did not answer that prayer. And the baby died. But you know what happens to David after that, his response? It's amazing. David wasn't angry with God. He was in disillusion. The scripture tells us that he rose. He took a good bath. He changed into a new, a new set of clothes. And then he went to the temple to worship God. You see, while he was persistent in prayer, he was equally submitted to the sovereignty of God. And the psalmist was so good as well at maintaining this balance. If you read the Psalms and the Lament Psalms, you will see this beautiful balance. They wrestled in prayer, pleading for God to intervene. And yet they were completely rested on the fact that God is sovereign and that he was in control. And that if God doesn't answer this prayer this way, he must have a greater and bigger purpose. And I'm submitted to that. And they were submitted to that. People bold asking balances both. We, now to the third thing. You ask boldly when you are patient. All through the book of Job, Job is lamenting. He is complaining and he's complaining and he's asking God all kinds of questions. He's saying, why are you doing this to me? Why is all of this happening to me? Why was I even born? You know, he's relentless. He, he would not let up. He argues his case. He complains about his plight. 
Job is crying throughout the book of, 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 of Job. He's yelling and he's screaming at God. And at the end of it, you know, he's doing all this. And at the end of it, as Job struggles and struggles and wrestles in his prayer, and, and I tell you people, desperation often pushes you to do that. If you're going to be real with God, with regards to what's going on in your heart and in your situation. And your prayer really becomes one of great lamenting. But at the end of the book of Job, God shows up before Job. And this is what God says to Job. He says, Job, you have done well. Now, why would God say that to Job? When all Job did was to lament and argue and question and complain. People listen. It's because through all that humiliation and pain and torture and loss and suffering, through it all that Job went, that Job went through, he never once turned away from God. Until the end, he stayed faithful to God. Job knew that he was being tested. And he says in and this comes out in Job 23, verse 10. He says, when he has tested me, I will come out as gold. He was patient amidst the testing. He stayed faithful to God despite his very trying circumstances. In spite of all his questioning and his complaining, he patiently waited for the Lord in prayer. People, that is bold praying. And God was so pleased with him. People, can you say that with Job? That when the Lord has tested me through this dark season, I will come out as gold. Can you say that? We live in days when the foundations are shaken. We live in times when life is severely being tested. Stripped of many things that we have taken for granted. Stripped of many things that we have loved, we have enjoyed that has given us comfort and convenience and, and liberty and freedom and, and all of that, we are now stuck in our homes. It's almost like we've been thrown into a furnace of new and strange fires of stress and strain. And we do not know what the future is going to be like and how in this new normal, life is going to turn out, the economy is going to turn out. You know, there are, there's a three-pronged struggle the world is going through today. It's not just a global pandemic, it is a global economy and increasing psychological problems that are going to arise out of that, which is anxiety, worry, depression, and all of that. Now people, in the midst of all of this, will we come out as gold? It takes patience. It takes staying faithful to God. It takes staying faithful to your spouse and to your family, to your church to your community, and to your calling in life. Bold asking is staying through the battle in deep, quiet trust in God. We'll look at more of that next week. It is staying faithful. You see, people, our problem in prayer is not so much that we lack faith. Our problem in prayer is that we lack patience. We give up too soon. We are not bold enough. The fourth and the last thing is that you are bold when you are courageous. 
It's courageous because in your asking, you also take bold steps to risk your reputation, your comfort, your security, and sometimes even your life. When Nehemiah asked God to give him favor with his boss, the king, he was prepared to die because he was going to ask the king to reverse his own decree and let the exiles return back to Jerusalem. And that was bold asking. That was bold uh, praying. He could be beheaded for asking for something like that of the king. When Esther sought an audience with the king, she told Mordecai this very famous uh, phrase that we all know about, if I perish, I perish. She was prepared to risk her life. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were brought before the king for not bowing before the golden figure, they were willing to die in the fiery furnace. They balanced bold asking with the sovereignty of God so beautifully. They said in Daniel chapter 3, verse 17 to 18, if this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning furnace. That was that powerful statement of faith, the declaration of faith by people. But every declaration of faith must be balanced by what they said in the next verse, verse 18. They said, not only did they say that he is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king, but, verse 18 says, if not, even if you die in this furnace, be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods and worship the golden image that you have set up. They wanted God to deliver them, yes, but even if he didn't, they were submitted to the sovereignty of God. And they would stay faithful to God alone. And people, that's incredible courage. Each one of these biblical characters knew that God was with them, both in life and in death. And that gave them enormous courage. On the other hand, Jesus lamented at the Garden of Gethsemane that a cup of suffering be taken away from him. He was totally submitted to God's sovereignty. The prayer was not answered and he went to the cross. And unlike Nehemiah or Esther or the three friends of Daniel who had the Lord with them in the fiery furnace, Jesus felt that God forsook him at the cross. And so he lamented my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You realize he says, my God, my God, and no longer my father, my father. The only time Jesus prays to God and he doesn't call him father in all of the gospels is on the cross. But though, but though he feels forsaken by God, he does not forsake the Lord. He could have come down from the cross, but he stayed. He remained faithful even though God never came to deliver him. And people, that took incredible courage. People, Jesus lost his relationship with God on the cross, his relationship to God as Father on the cross, so that you and I could now call God our Father. Now we can, now we can come boldly to the throne of grace and receive mercy and grace in time of need. We don't have to be timid anymore. We can come as children before our Heavenly Father. And we can be real 
without all our emotions. We can bring our prayers unedited before God. We can question, we can complain. We can lay hold of God and keep asking and keep asking. We can wrestle with God in prayer to hear us and to answer us and continue to stay submitted to the will and sovereignty of God. And people, this is what I did both times when there was such an attack on my family and my children. And both times, prolonged as they were, those, those dark seasons, both times I received mercy and found grace in my need. And I will keep doing that for every burden and person that God puts in my heart for as long as I live. And I invite you into that journey. Ask boldly. Lament, yes, but in that lament, don't stop asking boldly. Some of us, you know, we've become so discouraged in our praying because God has not answered our prayers. And we have stopped asking boldly. May the Holy Spirit stir our hearts again that we will ask boldly. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Our dear Father, we come before you, Lord, giving you thanks again for your word, giving you thanks, oh, Father God, that you invite us, Lord, to come to your throne boldly, confidently, only because of what Jesus has done on the cross for us. Lord, we cannot manufacture this bonus, Lord. It doesn't come out of our flesh and our carnality. This is a work of the Spirit, Lord. And Father, the Holy Spirit ignites that in our hearts when we look at Jesus and what he has done for us on the cross. Father, I pray for everyone listening and watching this today. I pray, Lord, that you will stir up a spirit of boldness. I pray, Lord, that you bring them back to the place of asking again for things that have not yet been answered, O oh Lord, in their lives. And while doing so, Father God, we honestly and patiently and persistently and courageously, yet underlining it all, O oh Lord, to be totally submitted to your sovereignty. Because at the end of the day, you know what you're about, O oh Lord, and you are a good God. And surely, Goodness and mercies will follow us all the days of our life. We praise you and thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.